Good evening, everyone, and God bless you, and welcome to another episode of Apostolic Voices. My name is Apostle Lance Bellany, and it's certainly my pleasure to welcome you to another episode. And um, as I sit in solo tonight in the absence of my colleague and co-host, Apostle Vincent Poole, and uh, we certainly want to thank you and all of you for taking an opportunity to join us and to be with me tonight as I share with you Truths of the Kingdom from an apostolic perspective. And as we share tonight, I just invite you to uh, join in by way of uh, comment. You can certainly engage us uh, uh, via the comment stream. We'll get a chance to see those comments and, um, and respond to them. So we certainly invite you to do that as, uh, as we uh, bring the program to you on tonight. So uh, again, thank you all so much, and uh, uh, really uh, hope that you decide to engage with us here on the program. As we get ready tonight to share, I, I want to um, ask you, uh, as you uh, engage with us, uh, just remind you that you can also uh, find uh, the program on Apostle Vincent Poole's page, uh, as well as uh, here on my page on uh, Facebook. Um, we also broadcast and simulcast across YouTube, the YouTube platform, uh, and you can find that program at um, Lance Bellany on the YouTube platform or Rock of Truth Ministries on the YouTube platform as well. So uh, just wanted to invite you to connect with us in these various platforms and uh, if you like to find us on um, the web, you can do so uh, at rotruth.org. Uh, and there you can find uh, Rock of Truth Ministries, uh, as well as uh, MacedonianCallMinistries.org as well. For Apostle Vincent Poole's um, uh, web presence also. Well, listen, I, I want to talk tonight and I want to address on tonight's broadcast this issue that has now uh, exploded upon the scene once again. And this is the, and that is the issue of abortion. Um, without a doubt, it is a controversial issue. And, and let me start out by saying, uh, uh, for a disclaimer, I am absolutely pro-life, period. So my argument, or if you will, my position begins at the point uh, from the perspective of choosing life. There are, however, caveats that I would like to present, but I also want to uh, as, a, as a part of this discussion, as a part of this presentation, uh, I want to have some, uh, I play, if you will, the advocate for the other side, okay? The advocate for the other side, the pro-choice advocate, uh, our, our position. And just to, to allow us to consider the uh, uh, both sides of this heated, discussion and this heated situation, because it is a fact of uh, 2022 life now. 
So let's back up for just a minute and and consider the fact that uh, 40 years ago or so, um, I forget exactly when Roe versus Wade was passed, but 40 or 50 years ago, uh, the Supreme Court weighed in on an issue uh, where um, that was at that time uh, uh, decided by the states. And then a case came before the Supreme Court, and that case was Roe versus Wade. In the, the decision or in the where um, uh, what the plaintiff, if you will, wanted to have an abortion and the defendant would not allow that. And so the Supreme Court took that uh, case up and made a landmark ruling that uh, women had a federally protected right to abortions. And many legal scholars uh, on both sides of the aisle, uh, while some agreed uh, with the decision to give fairly protected abortions to women and others disagreed with giving federally protected abortions to women or making them available to women, both of them agreed that the Supreme Court overreached its uh, authority in granting that because the Constitution does not grant those or that particular uh, right at the federal level. And now, and now I, I, I want to be clear, I'm not a legal scholar, neither do I play one here on Facebook, but just based on the discussions that I've heard legal scholars make, the, the, the decision that was made by the Supreme Court was something of an overreach because the Constitution did not grant federal protected rights to abortion to women. Okay, and I and I probably don't need to say to women because women are the only ones who can uh, uh, have an abortion in the sense that we're talking about abortions. It is it is necessary for us to recognize that in this effort of uh, in this issue of abortions. we have to begin to look at the situation where life begins at conception. And that to me, as part of the discussion is where the Supreme Court could probably do all of us a bit of uh, a service by establishing legally, when does life begin? Establishing that at the federal level, when does life actually begin? That may be able to address some of the uh, uh, controversy around this issue of abortion. But make no mistake about it. According to the moral law of humanity, according to the moral law of humanity, 
Forget about the moral law uh, legally, but I'm talking about the humane moral law. Life begins at the moment of conception. And why do I say that? It begins at the moment of conception because once that child, once that seed uh, reaches that egg, reaches the egg, and all things being equal or normal, the natural progressive uh, uh, timeline of that event culminates nine months or a gestational period later it culminates in a breathing, sentient human being. There is no denial of that. There is no controversy in that. There is no dispute in that. That natural progression, it, it, it organically culminates in a sentient, breathing human being. Hence the term abortion. The term itself meaning means that I am bringing to an end a process that is intended to go further. That's what the term abortion means. It means aborting the process. Okay. So the argument, and I think, and I'm going to, again, say this from a, a pro-life perspective, the argument that is presented that this isn't a child, I have never understood. I've never comprehended that you have to literally turn off your moral center to make that argument. I'm not, again, allow me to make a, a uh, compartmentalized argument here for a second. To make the argument that that is not a life one would literally have to turn off their moral center. Because in order for that not to be a life, then the process could not, and, and, and the only way that is not a life is if the process did not begin. Because the moment the process begins, a life ensues. As I said just a second ago, moment that uh, seed or that sperm meets that egg, from that moment a, uh, uh, throughout a gestational period, the end result of that event is a living, sentient human being. And that's indisputable. You can't argue that. That is a fact of the process. So my point to this, or uh, the point that I'm, I'm driving at, is the argument that that isn't a life is just unsustainable. <clears throat> it is not. Medically, humanely, and any other way, that argument is just unsustainable. Now, one could argue, I say argue, one may present the argument that, well, I just want to abort it. Well, okay, fine. I, I, I accept that as, a, as the argument that you would like to present, but don't present it on the pretense that that is not a life. Because, because at that point, your argument becomes untenable. It cannot, it's, it's unsustainable. 
because the natural progression of that event produces a life. And so it's interesting that um, the situation now has gotten to the point to where once again, and I was listening to uh, Dr. Alan Dershowitz, uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, the law professor, the Harvard law professor, and he was discussing the issue of this particular ruling. And once again, he argues that the Supreme Court has once again overreached its decision-making authority. And that is this. Again, I'm trying to take the emotion out of all of it and just look at the, the, the legal arguments around this issue. The legal argument that Dr. Dershowitz makes is, uh, has made is that the case that was before the Supreme Court in this instance had nothing to do with Roe versus Wade. The Supreme Court reached and overreached into the abortion uh, uh, discussion and made a ruling on abortion on a case that was not really about abortion. And so the overreach happened again. The issue that Dr. Dershowitz has made, or not the issue, but the, the point that Dr. Dershowitz has made is that as the Supreme Court overreached in this instance, it also overreached in the original ruling of Roe versus Wade. So now we find ourselves once again where the, the abortion issue has been pushed back to the states. All right. So there's another argument that one side, the pro-abortion side of the argument is making, and that is that abortion has been banned in America. Well, that's not a factual argument. It's an emotional argument. I grant you that, but it is not a factual argument because you can still have abortions in this, in this country. You can still, uh, not that I agree with it uh, wholeheartedly, and again, I'll get into that in just a minute, not that I agree with the issue of abortion, okay? But you still can have an abortion in this country. You may have to travel uh, and grant you that is the case. But again, uh, the, the, well, anyway, I've already talked about the legal uh, constitutional right of federally uh, um, uh, protected abortion rights. Uh, we, we've already talked about that. But the point that I'm making is you can still have abortions in this country. So the argument that abortion has been banned in this country is incorrect. The more accurate argument is, is that the federal government has no longer protected the right of abortion in this country. They have pushed it back to each individual state to make that ruling. And the fact of the matter is some states will completely ban abortions. Other states will completely give abortions unfettered meaning that the, uh, the unfettered side of abortion means that that child or that pregnancy can go to the point, and I'm going to be a little bit graphic here, can go to the point of where uh, the woman's 
uh, uh, feet are in the stirrups and the child is ready to be delivered and you can still have an abortion in some states. In some states, you won't be able to have an abortion under any conditions. And as a matter of fact, I was in a discussion earlier today and the, the, uh, the fact was brought up that in a particular state that if you live and are a resident of that state, they are discussing the potential of prosecuting individuals that go to another state that does uh, grant abortions. You can be prosecuted for going out of state and doing that. Now, that isn't the law, but that is in discussion in, in one of the particular states. So as you can see, this, this, issue, is, this issue is hotly uh, debated on both sides. But I want to bring this issue um, uh, some balance. I would like to present some balance concerning this issue on both sides. On the side of pro-choice, Pro-choice advocates can stick their heads in the ground and make the argument or try to make the argument that this is not a life. We've already talked about that. But they also want to make the argument, my choice, my, uh, excuse me, my body, my choice. And they, all, they, they, they absolutely defend that right. But it is these same individuals, it is these same individuals, when it comes to other issues, want to parse whether or not I have a right to my body when it comes to federally mandated, albeit unconstitutionally mandated, that I take a, 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 a vaccine. These same people deny me the right to make a choice about my body when it comes to the vaccine because they say I'm infringing upon them. But they now want to make the argument, my body, my choice, when it comes to uh, uh, ending the life of a child. Again, there is a bit of duplicity here. There's a bit of hypocrisy there. And there's a hypocrisy on the other side, too, mind you. But nonetheless, the point that I'm driving at is that there is a bit of hypocrisy there uh, uh, here that's going on. Hypocrisy that is that is uh, advocating for the end of a life in one situation, my choice, my body, my choice, but then denying my body, my choice to those that are refusing to take the vaccine. So as you can see, th this issue is not one that is uh, um, balanced. It is emotionally charged. Now, let me go to the other side. For those that want to completely abandon uh, or completely deny abortion under any circumstances, bring the child to, 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 um, to term, deliver the child, and put the child up for an, uh, uh, an adoption. Well, the one thing you have to understand about adoption in this country is that adoption in this country now is almost limited to the wealthy. Almost exclusively limited to the wealthy are, the, are, are wealthy are those that will will endure tremendous debt simply to be able to adopt a child that they would like to have. The other side of that coin is, is that once the child gets here and the mother does not want to have and to, to, to keep the child and no one wants to adopt the child, what are you going to do with that child? Throw him in a, uh, uh, out on the street? 
the, the, the orphanages, orphanages that, that once were, were uh, prevalent in this country have been defunded. The process is so muddled and muddy and murky and, 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 and distorted. What are you going to do on that side of the equation once the child gets here? Are we going to take care of the children? Are we going to uh, care for these children? Are we going to allow them to have a healthy, functional uh, life until they are able to get adopted? And then are we going to deal with the adoption laws in this country and the finances around adoption in this country? Are we going to protect the rights of the children who are adopted in this country, in that system? We have to address more than just saying no to abortion. We have to begin to address that on the pro-life side. The pro-life side can no longer just sit by and say, we don't want to kill the, 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 the unborn. Because when the unborn gets here, we've now got to care for them. We've got to protect them. We've got to provide for them. And this is where uh, state governments are going to have to step up to the plate. It is simply not enough to say that we ban abortions. That's not enough. I was in a conversation earlier today, and uh, in that conversation, I was discussing uh, the issue of balance in this discussion, in this controversy. Um, uh, you have uh, statistically, you have 10% of the people on the no abortion side that are going to be screaming loud about no abortion. Then you've got 10% of the people on the pro abortion side that are going to be screaming no restrictions on abortion at all. And then you're going to have 80% of the people that are willing to have a reasonable conversation around this issue, a reasonable conversation. Because as an apostle, as an apostolic leader, I believe in life. I err on the side of life. Now, let's take, for example, one of the one of the marginal issues in this discussion. Let's take, for example, one of the marginal issues in this discussion about abortion and uh, uh, present the scenario. My wife's life is in danger. She's become pregnant and, and it has been discovered that there is a high probability that my wife will not be able to carry this child to term. And to continue to gestate this, uh, this pregnancy puts her life in increasing danger and likelihood of death. What are we going to do in that situation? What are we going to do? And I know what the... Uh, average pro-lifer and certainly the uh, extreme on that side will say, pray. God can work a miracle. And we all know how miracles work. That's why they're called miracles. Because they don't, miracles are not a fact of everyday life. That's why we call them the miraculous. So what happens if a miracle doesn't happen? and I lose my wife in the process of trying to gain a child. These are the kinds of considerations that we have to be able to address. One would make the argument of rape. 
are incest. Incest. So those that are not in that situation would say, well, force the girl to bring it to term. Why would we force that child to bring another child to term? These are the kinds of discussions. And at that point, rather than it being a federally uh, uh, mandated in, in, in instances where states have decided that they will not allow abortions to take place, what do we do? I believe that decision belongs to that family and their conscience. I believe that decision belongs to their fam that family, their conscience, and their God On, in those circumstances, both in the circumstances where the mother's life is at danger and the circumstances to where a rape or incest has occurred. Whether it is biological incest or whether it is uh, legal incest, legal as in uh, it met the legal statute of incest. I am simply driving home the discussion around this issue because when the discussion degenerates into a purely emotional uh, 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 argument and an emotional uh, display, the, we advance nothing. We all hunker down in our corners and we begin to uh, argue from our little perspective and never ever trying to see the perspective of someone else or of the other side. As I said at the very beginning of this broadcast, I am absolutely pro-life. Err on the side of life. But there are circumstances, there are situations, there are caveats in this discussion that make both sides difficult. So one would say, and, and especially in this argument, the, the issues have uh, come about and the issues have come up where the husband's rights or the father of that child's rights have not been considered. The way humanity works and the way creation has developed this is that the woman is the one that has been designated by creation to carry and gestate the next generation of life, period. End of discussion. Because not one male in our species can carry a child, can even... Uh, uh, let alone birth a child, they, they can't even conceive a child. Our job as the male side of the species is to give the seed. So now we are in a situation that if we are going to perpetuate our society, our, the human culture, we have to have both parties engaged. And so now when it comes to the father's right to have a say in this discussion, Many on the abortion side says, no, he doesn't get a right. I disagree with that. Wholeheartedly disagree with that. But yet that is one of the caveats in this whole debate. This is why this discussion 
must be had rationally or between people that can rationally speak with each other and not hunker down into their political and emotional, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> into their political and emotional corners. The Supreme Court has made a ruling and it is going to stand that federally protected abortions have come to an end. Now it is left to the states to make that decision on what is going to happen within the borders of that state. And in, in, in some instances, as I said earlier, in some instances, there will be unfettered abortions. You can do it all the way up to the point of delivery. In other instances, it is going to be completely uh, abolished in that state, meaning you cannot have an abortion under any circumstances. I think both of those instances are extreme and untenable. I don't agree with either of them. I think in many and most and probably the majority of issue of circumstances, the decision becomes the family's decision. And states must begin to make allocations for circumstances that occur within the, 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 uh, the state's culture. And that for those that do have more harsher restrictions on abortions, we have got to begin to address what happens when that child arrives. How do we support and address that issue? Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't talk about they never should have gotten pregnant. Well, that's, that's a foregone conclusion. We're not gonna stop pregnancies. We're not gonna stop uh, unwedded pregnancies. That's not going to happen. As a matter of fact, some abortions take place between a husband and his wife. These are the things and the questions that we have to begin to address as a part of this abortion debate. Let me say this, and uh, I won't be before you too much longer on this issue. This country is in a bad place. Public discourse has degenerated, and I mean that in the, in the most explicit of ways, it has degenerated into me against you, okay? And if I don't agree with you, I hate you. I want to destroy you. I don't want to just change your mind. I want to destroy you. That's not a healthy place. Any democracy, any republic, any thriving culture has to be able to have public discourse around the most difficult issues, around the most distasteful issues, we must allow public discourse to take place because it is in public discourse that we come now and reason with each other. God even desires to reason with us. How much more should we reason with each other? Find a commonplace 
where we can reside. Because let me say this to you. Abortion didn't just start in this country. Abortion didn't just start in the 21st century. Abortions have been around for as long as humanity has been around. The outlook and the perspective and the perception of abortion has probably changed over the, over the years. And in this country, and, and, and by the way, uh, us and our neighbor to the north, we, tip, we, we have some of the most liberal abortion laws in the world, even more so than, than many countries in Europe. We have some of the most restrictive abortion, uh, um, not laws, I'm sorry, some, some of the most um, liberal, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I said restrictive, I meant liberal. We have some of the most liberal abortion uh, uh, um, opportunities in this country than, than most countries have in the world, us and Canada. It's necessary for us to begin to have public discourse and now more so than any. This issue wasn't as charged back Roe versus Wade was originally passed as it is now, because back then women did not have the right to abortion and they were granted that right. And those on the losing side of that particular ruling embraced it, didn't agree with it, but began to try to change it from that moment forward to the time that they finally now, uh, uh, this ruling has been changed. Okay. But now that the ruling has been changed, women feel as if you have taken something from me. And as a result of that, the response has been more aggressive about regaining or not losing that. And that, beloved, is a point where we must begin to have a reasonable conversation around this issue of abortion. We can say God hates it, and I believe he does. But let me be very apostolic here. How much else does God hate that we keep doing? Fornicators, adulterers, whoremongers. How much more does God hate that we keep doing? Murder is just as bad as fornication. In the eyes of God. I'm simply saying we must begin to have public discourse, reasonable public discourse. I was in a conversation and I'll get ready to to wrap this up. But I was in a conversation this morning and, and, and I couldn't help but stop. As a matter of fact, I, I actually did. I, I stopped the conversation uh, um, in the middle. I interrupted the conversation to point out the fact that how uh, refreshing it was that we could have a conversation where there was those that believed in abortion, uh, 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 that we should have an abortion, and those uh, that believe that abortion should have been struck down at the federal level. And we were just talking back and forth, presenting our discussions. Now, one would say, well, that didn't change anybody's mind, but it gave everyone something to think about and to consider. And in the private resources of our own hearts and thoughts, we begin to consider the thoughts and ideas that the other side presents. 
This is why public discourse is so important in this issue. We have to begin to consider what the other side of this argument is presenting. For those of you that might be interested, uh, go to my, my uh, Facebook page and you can see a post. I, I actually presented this post uh, on my page uh, where I talked about this very issue and asked a question, what is a reasonable position about abortion? Offer it. Present a reasonable uh, uh, idea, uh, scenario that abortions uh, around this issue of abortion. Even if you are completely against it, give a solution to what you're going to do with the children to help that unwed mother to address these social issues that complete restrictions on abortion will inevitably create. And on the other side, on the other side of the abortion, what are you going to do in terms of the restrictions that are going to be, that are now being placed? How do we address at least getting some sense of relief in terms of abortion? You're not going to get unfettered abortion. That's it. That, that's a foregone conclusion. And yes, some states are going to totally restrict abortions. That's a foregone conclusion. So somewhere in the middle is where the, the reasonable, rational, peaceful coexistence of pro-life and pro-choice are going to reside. Some would say, some would say we just simply put everybody in jail that commits abortion. I mean, that, that, that performs an abortion. Well, doctors probably will go to jail. Some doctors will fall on their scalpels and go to jail behind this issue because they believe so strongly that a woman should have the unfettered rights to abortion. Now, these are the same people that have taken an, taken an oath that says uh, the, the, the Hippocratic oath to do no harm. They have convinced themselves that that is not a life. Therefore, they're not doing any harm. But we talked about that at the very outset. That is a life. That, that's a foregone conclusion. And they know, it's a, they know it's a life. Now they've convinced themselves that it's not. But, when, but, but you're not going to make me believe unless you are an absolute masochist, a sadist, that you don't believe that that's a life. Uh, that's, 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 I, I, cannot, I cannot fathom that argument. But... Some people make that argument, and, and I certainly uh, defend their right to make that argument. I just, I just completely disagree with that argument. But what are we going to do with this issue of abortion? Come now, let us reason together. And there in the reasoning, there in the coming together, we will find a rational, reasonable uh, uh, compromise around this issue because let's present every argument that you have now now some would just simply make the argument I don't want you to tell me what to do with my body that's that's going to be their argument that's that 10 there that I said we're going to exclude them out of the conversation 
And then you got that other 10% that don't want anything to do and no abortions whatsoever at all. A lot of them are going to get voted out of office. Okay. On the political side of this argument, a lot of you are going to get voted out of office because at some point in time, the reasonable adults in the room, the rational adults in the room will win the conversation. The rational adults in the room will win the conversation. And as a result of that, some politicians will lose their place in office and other politicians that are more centrist, that are going to take a more rational approach to this, is going to win the day. 90, I would, I would venture, no, not 90, but 80% of the people in this country, 80% of the people believe that at some level, there should be a level of abortion allowed in this country, in, in, in these states, in the individual states. Whether it is to protect the life of the child, excuse me, of the mother, whether it is a situation of incest and rape, whether it is a situation of, um, uh, well, those are the two that I absolutely uh, believe uh, the, the, the choice to that family should be granted to them. And let that be between them and God. As you can see, this is not a very, um, this is not a cut and dry situation. I, I'll give this personal testimony and, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll move on. I remember when my wife and I were younger and we were, we were in the middle of having our children. Um, we wanted all four of our children from the time that we found out that we were pregnant to the time that that child got here. So abortion was never even a, a, a matter of thought, but I do want to give this testimony. The doctor presented an, an, an option to us about a medical procedure to find out whether or not the baby had any kind of uh, genetic birth defects. And that process in which they, they determine that uh, is a process in which uh, they uh, perform uh, uh, an, an amniocentesis in which they take a needle and they uh, uh, put the needle and they really literally stab the needle through the belly of the mother and they, they siphon off a uh, portion of the amniotic fluid. And they analyze that and then they're from that process, they can determine as to whether or not uh, that child uh, may be uh, having some developmental um, uh, defects. And so when I first heard it, I said, okay, I, that seems to be a reasonable. But then when I began to uh, investigate that process, again, it's called the amniocentesis. When I began to investigate that process, uh, it led me to a question to ask the doctor, well, what danger is there to the wife or to the child? And the doctor said there is a level, and I can't exactly how, uh, what percentage they said, but there is a level of danger to the child that the child could be harmed as a part of that process. And the moment I heard that, it became a no-brainer to me that we're not going to subject that child because, first of all, abortion 
wasn't an option for us because we chose not to do that. Uh, but at the second, uh, uh, even if the child was uh, uh, experiencing some type of birth defect, as long as the child could live, we were going to take that child and love that child and be to that child a parent. And they were going to be a child to us, our daughter, or our son. And so it was never an issue for us to to make that choice. But the point that I was making is, is that, you know, even in the decision to consider not to or to have an abortion, that choice and that decision in certain instances has to be left to that family. Now, here's where the states would do themselves a great service to begin to outline options and plans around those types of caveats and circumstances within the birthing consideration, within the, uh, the consideration to give birth to that child. This is where a reasonable discussion around this issue of abortion must ultimately land. Amen? Well, first of all, let me say that this has been, and I, and I hope those of you that uh, tuned in and listened to what, and will be listening to this later on as a part of the broadcast um, of Apostolic Voices, this has been a challenging situation and we can stick our heads in the ground, but I, that's just not me. That's just not the person and the call uh, that is upon my life to stick my head in the ground and not address uh, issues that are affecting everyday life as we are walking in this life. And this issue is front and center. And as an apostle kingdom of heaven, uh, it's necessary that we begin to address this. And I certainly welcome uh, anyone that would, would hear this, that would like to have a discussion around this, maybe from the other side, that would have a discussion around this. I welcome that discussion. Absolutely welcome that discussion on air, uh, if you like. It doesn't matter. I, I, I simply am open to a rational discussion around this issue. And so if you're listening to it, you know someone that might be interested or you yourself might be interested, you can give me a call. You can reach out to me. And I'll give my number, 281-732-5928, 281-732-5928. Or you can reach me via email at lcbellany at yahoo.com, lcbellany at yahoo.com. Well, listen, uh, as we bring the program to a close tonight, uh, again, this issue is hotly debated. It is front and center. It's in our face and it is going to be there for uh, certainly throughout this upcoming election cycle. Uh, in November. It is going to be there for the 2024 election cycle. It is likely to be here for several uh, presidential cycles to come. This issue is not going away just as the pro-life community protested and uh, uh, kept this issue front and center and brought this issue to light every election cycle. The pro-choice uh, uh, contingent of our uh, community uh, of, of our country will do the same thing on that side. They are going to keep this issue front and center every presidential election. It'll be a part of a political platforms. It is simply going to remain with us. It is not going anywhere. And we do well 
to not allow this issue to rip our country apart. Well, listen, beloved, thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your out of your time and out of your schedule to be with me here on the broadcast today. And uh, I really appreciate you doing so and want to invite you to come back and do that, uh, do this with us uh, each Monday night right here at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the uh, Facebook platform. Uh, you can find us at uh, uh, Lance Bellany uh, as well as Vincent Poole. You'll find us uh, streaming on both of our platforms here on Facebook. Uh, and again, Vincent Poole is absent. Apostle Vincent Poole is absent uh, tonight. And uh, we certainly uh, encourage you to join us again next time as we will both be here as we share with you truths of the kingdom from an apostolic perspective. Until then, I want to invite you to be well, be blessed, and we'll see you again next time.